Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the, the word of God that you have given us. We thank you that it is living, that it's active, and that it penetrates the very depths of our soul. So I thank you today that as we open up the scriptures that we, we recognize and trust that your Holy Spirit would minister this word to us, that every person under the sound of my voice would hear that still small voice, or in some cases, loud voice from your Holy Spirit. Teach us today, Lord God. Help me today to say the words that you want said. I pray in the name of Jesus, everyone said. Amen. We are probably, hopefully, uh, if you don't have anything in the oven, going to try to conclude today this, this sort of a series we began dealing with living stones several weeks ago. Didn't intend for it to be a series, but it just one block after another. What got me started thinking about this was, and I'll just be honest with you, I started hearing about certain members of the body, certain members of this body, that were having problems with one another, and they were having issues. And uh, fortunately, as far as I know, all that got worked out. Um, but I got to thinking about... <clears throat> the impact of the body of Christ in the earth and how in the world could we have an impact uh, in the earth if we can't even get along with one another. And I got to think about the importance of not just the body of Christ, but the local body of Christ. And so I began to deal with this idea of the kingdom of God coming to the earth, uh, not fully consummated yet, but the kingdom is what we say. The kingdom is not here, but not yet. Uh, so started dealing with this topic. And so this is the third Sunday that we're dealing with the title overcoming evil with good. And in a little bit, I'm going to ask you to turn to Romans 12. And I'm also going to ask you to keep whatever you're reading that in handy, because at the end of our time today, I'm going to ask you to turn over to Romans 15. And we're going to conclude with just some verses that sort of sum up what we're talking about. This life together as members of the body of Christ, as believers, can be both frustrating and exhilarating at times. Anytime you have people in close proximity, you can have, you're going to have high times and you're going to have frustrating times. And we must learn to navigate that. Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, he said, In him, in Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so our whole premise of this living stones thing is that we're being built together. Everybody say built together. Yeah. Operative word together. So you, can't, you can't build anything if you don't have anything to put together. Built together. And Paul writes in another place that just like the human body has many members, and those members do not all have the same function. And you can, you know, you just think about that. He said, we, though many members, we, the body of Christ, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. It's, he's using the analogy of the human body. But we, the body of Christ, we members of the body of Christ, we all function differently He's, a matter of fact, he said at the beginning of our passage, we're not going to read it again today, but he said having gifts that are different. Can you say different? different. 
let's ha- let's don't have a problem with different gifts, because one of the problems com- that comes with different gifts is a different temperament and a different approach, and we don't like different temperaments and different approaches. But we all have different gifts, and he said, now let's use them. But it's interesting that he says, like the human body, that we're members and we're one, we're members individually of each other. And then he starts out, and what I'm going to read in just a moment, he starts out with these words, let love be genuine. Now remember, not only is he writing to the church, but he's writing to followers of Jesus Christ, and he's writing in context. Jesus said, the church, he didn't use these words, but this is what he meant, the church is the salt of the earth. He said, you are the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. And somebody said, well, Jesus said he was the light of the world. Which one is it? Yes. We're the light of the world because he's the light of the world. We don't have a light for the world without the light of the world. And we are the salt of the earth. Is it possible that if there were no church on the earth today, that the world would completely collapse? Would I mean, It's collapsing now, it seems like. But what would happen if there was no salt to preserve? Someone said recently, and I think this deals with what Paul's writing, that when we are born, we look like our parents. And when we die, we look like our relationships. Someone else said the same quote, except they said when we die, we look like our choices. Kind of the same thing. When we're born, we look like our parents. When we die, we look like our relationships. And what I want for us is not to die, look like a shriveled up prune. (laughs) I want us to die looking like people of joy. Uh, Again, going back to my cousin, he told his son uh, just a few days before he passed away. He said, son, I'm ready to go. Don't be, don't be sad for me. I'm ready. And he went almost envious. Anyway, turn with me to Romans 12 if you haven't already. And I'm going to read, start reading in verse 9, but don't get nervous. I'm not going to cover all those verses. I just want to read all of them for context. If you wouldn't mind standing while we read the scriptures. Again, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And it says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And our title comes from verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You may be seated. And while we're talking about the the body of Christ, I want to recognize we have two former church members with us, Brandon and Rebecca Lane. They were here for a long time. They got tired of us and moved to North Carolina, where Andy Griffith is from. So anyway, that's another topic. Um, I, we've dealt with the other, the first part of this chapter and previous messages. All those messages are still on Facebook, although you may have to scroll down a ways. They're all available on YouTube, and they're all available on audio. Just like last Sunday is all available in audio and video. You can still go back and see those. I, I cannot go back and try to redo those, but I'm going to start today, and I'm, I'm going to try to work my way through uh, starting in verse 14. Uh, if, you'll, uh, if you'll listen real fast, I know. First thing he says to us is, in relating to one another in the body of Christ, Release blessing to those who persecute us. What, you mean church people persecute? Have you met church people? Have you been around people? Because if you're around people long enough, you realize, for one thing, we're all flawed human beings. We all have to deal with the flesh, and we're all going to do things and say things that we wish we hadn't, and other people wish a lot that we hadn't. Release blessing to those who persecute us. Blessing is just a word to mean speak well of. So I don't want to speak well of them. I, I, I didn't write this. Somebody said, you preached a good sermon today. I said, well, I got good material to work with. I mean, you know, how, how else can you go? Uh, to persecute, be persecuted is to, is to, uh, for someone to put to flight or to pursue you. Uh, I used to make jokes, and I still do, and it's okay. Uh, you know, when I, people out running around the streets, and and uh, I said, you know, Proverbs says uh, it's a wicked man that runs when nobody's chasing him. So if you're a runner, don't get offended. I'm just I'm just joking. But pursue to persecute is to pursue someone and to put them to flight, to send them on their way. And he said, but he also says this: bless and do not curse. And to curse someone is to pronounce the disfavor of God on them. You do not want to pronounce the disfavor of God on someone, even though you wish he would. And that's the whole point. you got to leave it for him. And here's a good paraphrase for that. Speak well of those who pursue you with the intention of causing you grief. Do not pronounce the disfavor of God over them but declare the goodness of God concerning them. I didn't say declare their goodness. I said you declare the goodness of God over them and let God do the rest. Now, why in the world would Paul put this burden on us? Why would he, man, you need to bless those who persecute you. Bless them. Y'all want to bless them out? No, he said you must bless them and don't curse them. Why would he do that? Here's why. Because we must guard our own spirits at all times. You must guard your own spirit 
at all times or you're going to fall into something that you wish you hadn't fallen into. And that's regardless of whether it, there's a justice or an injustice that we're facing. There's no conditions on that. So what we've got to do is to speak well of those who persecute us and then let God be God. Our problem is we want to be God. Speak well. Not, not in say speak. Don't make up things about them. You're, you're a great person and you're, no, you don't have to do all that, but you speak God's blessing over them and then let God be God. Secondly, he tells us rejoicing with, with the with rejoicing and weeping. And let me just stick this in here. I did it a previous message. One thing is you, you cannot look at this passage and see it as a self-help checklist. This is not Tony Robbins. This is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And so when you see this, this is the inspired, God-breathed Word of God written down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and given to us. It's not some self-help book we produced. There is no such thing as self-help. That's an oxymoron. It's a contradiction in terms. Because I look to the hills from where comes my help. It's God that gives us our help. Now, you have to make some choices and you have to make some decisions. But if you want to see this in your life, what we're teaching today and what we taught the last time, you're going to need the work of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to be able just to, to, to grind your teeth and make it happen. Because when you start talking about blessing those who persecute you, that doesn't come natural to us. What comes natural to us is dotting their eye. Well, maybe not you. Then he says rejoice and he said rejoice with the rejoicing ones and weep with the weeping ones. If we're called alongside someone in the body of Christ and especially in the local body of Christ or a family, then we must, uh, can somebody get me a bottle of water? Anita's not here today. She always supplies water. Uh, Don, you, you can be Anita. My, my throat just got dry. Happens when I talk. Thank you, sir. If I'd have known where it was, I could have got it. When you're caught alongside someone in, in situations, then there's, there's got to be something about your heart that rejoices with them when they're rejoicing and weeps with them when they're weeping. <clears throat> Lazarus died. Mary sent word for Jesus. And another story for another time, Jesus, the disciple said, are we going now? Nope, let's wait. Let's wait. Can I tell you, Jesus has never been a person of expediency and doing something for expediency's sake. You would have think he'd have jumped up and ran. No, he said, let's just hang around a while. I'm not going to get into that, but you can go read it. When he finally got there, Mary came to where he was. And when she saw him, she fell at his feet, which is an act of worship. And she said, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And here's what, here's what I want you to see. When Jesus, therefore, saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, watch this line, he was deeply moved in his spirit, and he was troubled. Now, how many of you know Jesus was not deeply moved or troubled 
because Lazarus was dead. But he was deeply moved and troubled because he was weeping with the weeping ones. Because of their despair. Because of their grief and their pain. And he didn't even, you know, you would think, well, if you know you're going to raise him from the dead, why would you weep? Because he felt, as our former president said, he felt their pain. He felt their emotion. He felt what they were going through. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And I used to always ask my mother when I was growing up every night, Mama, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? This is it, John 11, 35. Jesus wept. The word there, wept, is not a few tears running down you. Have you ever watched a TV show and somebody starts crying and crying out of one eye? I always tell we watch, I say, one eye? Who cries out of one eye? And there's some kind of a, well, you actor people, some kind of a uh, liquid that they put in their eyes. And why didn't they think about putting it in both eyes? I don't know. This is not what that was. This was weeping. This is, this is actually emotional. This is more than I can do. Jesus wept. Why? Because he was weeping. It's a great exercise in selflessness, by the way. Because you can say, well, it's not my pain. It's not my problem. Well, Paul said, if you're going to walk in the body of Christ, it needs to be. Jealousy and envy will frustrate this, will frustrate this in your life. If you're jealous of someone or you're envious of someone, you're not going to weep with them or rejoice with them. We're being called, we're called to identify with our fellow believer where they are in their circumstances and their station in life, whether it be great or whether it be not so great. And when when things are going great for someone else, sometimes it's harder because we want they what we want what they want. We want what they have. Instead of you know, you, you ever heard this man, I got a great job, got double my pay, I got a company car, and you hear someone's instead of Man, that's great. I'm really happy for you. No. How about this? Well, why don't stuff like that ever happen to me? What about me? That's that whole, you know, we need a vaccine for that. The what about me disease. We do have a vaccine for that. It's called the cross. The best relationships that we have are those that have been through the good times and the tough times. I said a few weeks ago that if you've got a relationship, whether it be a marriage, friendship, body of Christ, and you haven't gone through tough times yet, then you don't have a relationship yet. But when you go through a tough place, then you now you know what the relationship looks like. Okay, moving on. Then he said, live in harmony, which is kind of the same thing. Live in harmony. Be of the same mind. Uh, all of us know when we hear a choir uh, singing the same notes, it would be dull. I had the fortune several years ago to go to the funeral for um, Dottie Rambo. You don't know who Dottie Rambo is, then shame on you. But anyway, Dottie Rambo's probably the greatest, maybe the greatest songwriter, but at the very least the greatest female songwriter in modern times, in my opinion. And so Bill Gaither, if you don't know who Bill Gaither is, just buy his videos. You'll find out. <laughs> Bill Gaither assembled 
a 150-voice choir. Whites were part of it. Rick, were you there, Ricky? Were you part of it? I know the whites were there. And of course, the reason I went was because Lulu Roman asked me to go because she was singing and she was nervous. She was singing one of Dottie's new songs. But I was sitting here. You can imagine the kind of folks, the whites and those like them, Oak Ridge Boys, Gatlin Brothers. Anyway, this is the 150-voice choir at Christ Church doing Dottie Rambo's funeral. They did about 20 of her songs, my kind of funeral. And I'm sitting there listening to these folks, and I mean, I mean, you might as well be in heaven already. But if the choir is all singing the same notes, not much to it. But, buddy, when that harmony kicks in, when that harmony, when you hear that harmony, of course, these were great singers. They knew how to sing harmony. Our problem is we say to one another, because you don't sing the same note I sing, I want no part of your music. You know what that means. To achieve harmony in the body of Christ, we need to understand that to walk together There needs to be a certain amount of like-mindedness without erasing the value of the individual. We must recognize that we are different by design. We're not different because we're weirdos. We're weirdos because we're different. And we must learn to rejoice in diversity rather than to eliminate. Need I say more? How about Paul writes, associate with the lowly. Now, this can be confusing, so I'm going to give you several quotes here, and I think the the sum total of this package will let you see the picture of what I think Paul is after. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Psalm 131 says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. In other words, he's dealing in reality. He's not elevating his eyes higher. Uh, You know, you heard people, if you lived in the South, you've heard this before. Uh, That guy right there, he's too big for his britches. I can translate that for you if you want me to. It means he's thinking too highly of himself. Instead of being ambitious, the pulpit commentary says, we should, we should let ourselves be drawn willingly to the lower, lowlier spheres of usefulness to which we may be called. Usefulness, that's the key. The ESV and several Bibles in your margin in this verse will say, give yourselves to humble tasks. Snobs, I'm not saying you're a snob, snobs are obsessed with questions of status, upper and lower classes. They forget that Jesus fraternized freely and naturally with social rejects. And he calls his followers to do the same. Lowly position. In the Greek text there, it simply is a word that means not thinking of high things, not seeking them or aspiring to them. Nothing wrong with high things. 
But if you go, if you know, we did a series several years ago on elevate, being elevated, if you're going to find high things, let Jesus elevate you to that spot. Don't climb the ladder yourself. Now, uh, Albert Barnes is one commentary I trust. And he says, I want to give you this quote because there's, Again, I want the full package for us to see what he's after. He said, they had in view those things which pertain to worldly offices and honors, wealth and state and grandeur. Christians should seek the objects of interest and companionship, not among the great, the rich and the noble, but among the humble and the obscure. Now, you say, were we supposed to ignore Uh, The great, the rich, and the noble? No, you're going to find your way to them, but the ones we want to ignore are the ones that are are not doing so great. And he's saying if you're going to be part of the body of Christ, find some folks that are in a lowly position that need some help. And then he finishes up by saying this, Christianity prompts to to benevolence rather than to a fondness for pride and display. And I think that's really what Paul's after here that we relate to one another and we don't just look for those that we see are successful or seem successful, but we look for those who need somebody, who need someone to come alongside them in their distress. In a similar vein, he goes on to say, never be wise in your own sight. Never be wise in your own sight. Proverbs 3 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. You know what's great? If you do not be wise in your own eyes and you fear the Lord and you turn away from evil, it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. What a great promise. One of the reasons we're told so often in the scriptures, to be full of the Holy Spirit is that some people, given the vacuum, have an inclination to be full of themselves. Now, that's none of us. There's none of y'all watching at home. But some people would be full of themselves instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to fill them up. And when you're full of yourself, guess who you're thinking about? guy in the mirror estimating our own importance and value to the body of Christ well we usually leave God's opinion out of the equation we forget what God says we don't consider what God says we have we have made an estimation of our own value and wisdom let me just say this equally damaging is to think more lowly of yourself than you ought. Putting yourself down is not attractive. Putting yourself down is not humility. As I said recently, a lot of times that's just pride. Because what, you know, I've heard people, you have too, and they, they badmouth themselves so that you will elevate them. Oh no, you're not. You're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Don't y'all love sliced bread? I don't know where that got started, but, but don't put making, uh, putting yourself down and criticizing yourself is just as bad as elevating yourself. Why? Because each approach is inaccurate and because they are not in line with God's evaluation. God's evaluation. You need to see yourself as God sees you. A lot of us. That's going to, we're going to see ourselves better than we think. Some of us, 
we may have to be brought down a notch. But it's God's evaluation that's important for us. He goes on to say, do not repay evil for evil. You and I are not called to be reflections of each other, but rather of Jesus Christ and his Father. We're not to call, we're not to reflect back to someone what they give us. You know, uh, Opie said he gave a boy a sock in the head. And Andy said, haven't you ever heard of the golden rule? He said, do unto others as they would have you, as you would have them do unto you. And Opie said, yeah, he did it unto me and I did it unto him. <laughs> We're not to return what we receive. Just because it was evil don't mean we return it to them. A tendency, our tendency towards self-preservation causes us to almost always have retaliation on our minds. We're Some of us are always cocked, the claw or the fist. We're ready. Uh, don't you say anything because I'm coming after you. Retaliation. We must reflect character of God to one another, not what we receive from one another. You say, well, this is tough. That's why you got to have the Holy Spirit. You can't just do this. Which brings us to the next point, live peaceably with all. Now, I'm going to give you a little out here in a minute. Actually, the Apostle Paul gave you an out, so just hang on. If you got something to throw at me, just squeeze it. Don't. This peace is achieved by being attached to the same vision, having the same mind, and striving to achieve its goals. What is the what is the vision we have? What is the one goal we have? What is the thing we're all striving for? Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the Father, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Every living person who's a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, that is your commission. That is your mission. And so we all have that same mission. Now, we approach it from different ways. Not only in this room, but all the churches in the area. We all approach that that goal from different angles, from different emphasis, but we're all aiming at the same thing. We must do our part. To live at peace with everyone. That doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything that everybody does. But live at peace. And administer, how about this? Administer as much grace and mercy as we receive from God the Father. So how much mercy and grace should I give them? Well, how much did God give you? Yeah. How much did God, how much grace do, have you received from God? How much, so you, if you can calculate what God has given you, then you need to give them the same amount, which is everything you have, really. Now here's, here's, here's your out that Paul gave you. When we have done all that we can do to live at peace, we must go back to Bless those who persecute you. Do not return evil for evil and do not seek vengeance. 
Remember what Paul said, as far as it depends on you. Sometimes you just can't get there. Sometimes you, you try to reconcile, you try to live at peace with someone, and you just can't get there. But if you can't get there, don't let it be because of you. Let it be because of them refusing. As far as it depends on you, live at peace. Which the next thing he says is do not seek vengeance. Do not seek vengeance because if we insist on taking our own vengeance, we are in essence stealing from God what belongs to him. What did he say? Vengeance is mine. You want to take vengeance? Who does vengeance belong to? It belongs to God the Father. So if you're taking vengeance, you have just tried to rob God. Our vengeance proceeds out of a sense of injury or indignation. God's vengeance proceeds out of justice. And that's why we don't want him to have it. We don't want God to have vengeance because we know he won't annihilate them the way we want to. In God, there's no element of self-gratification or vindictiveness. No element in him at all, in his actions. He always operates out of justice for the purpose of redemption. And if someone won't be redeemed, then they suffer the consequences. But God's vengeance is not just repaying the debt they owe you, but it's giving them an opportunity to repent. So he says, rather than for us to seek to avenge ourselves, we are encouraged to offer, watch this, necessities to those who oppose us. Is God crazy? Is Paul crazy? No. He knows, he knows how best we function. He knows what's best for us, what's healthiest for us. He said, to the contrary. In other words, not only do you not need to seek vengeance, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Well, bless God. I just, see, that's, that's why we have to see these scriptures, allow the Holy Spirit to work it in us, and then let God be God. Finally, overcome evil with good. Don't let evil overtake you, but overtake evil with good. I believe verse 21 is a summation of all the other verses. Because if you look, if you go through starting at love must be genuine and you go through all of these verses, what he's really saying is don't let evil cause you to take the negative of what God's after. Overcome evil with good. And what is good? Bless those who persecute you. Don't take vengeance. Live at peace with everyone. That's, that is overcoming evil with good. Evil would seek to overtake you. How do we know that? Genesis 4. God is speaking to Cain, and he says this to Cain. Sin is crouching 
at the door. Eager. Everybody say eager. eager. To control you. Do we realize sin is eager to control us? If you don't, you, you, you do. But you must subdue it and be its master. Crouching at your door, looking to overtake you. The, the propensity to sin is always there because we still live in the flesh. He says you must subdue it. Well, we got a great end on that one because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin. Now, it's still going to raise its ugly head. It's still going to try to overtake you. But you have the ability because greater is he who is in you than he's in the world. You don't have to succumb to that. Make yourself useful. Every one of these virtues can be summed up by saying, make yourself useful to others. And again, I believe all of these exhortations, all of these instructions are rooted in providing that which is profitable to the growth and life of the local body. And if we can live in these verses with one another, then we can demonstrate to the world that we love one another. Remember, we've said it several times. Jesus said the way they're going to know that you're my disciples is that you love one another. And this is how we do it. We don't just say it. Well, yeah, I love them. I go to church with them. <clears throat> Wrong answer. Practical suggestions. First, don't let the sun go down on your anger. You get mad at someone, relationship, Deal with it. Don't don't go to bed mad because you, you're going to get up mad. And, and on top of that, you're not going to sleep very well. Number two, it's a similar thing. Confront issues head on, disarming the enemy. You got an issue with another member of the body of Christ? Confront it now. Y'all have heard me say over the years, Waffle House ministry. That was back when I first started pastoring this church. I think the only thing we had in Mount Juliet on that side of the interstate was a Waffle House. And so I'd say, go down to the Waffle House and sit down across from one another and don't get up until you've reached some kind of a, of a place of reconciliation or peace, agreement, understanding. Don't leave. Confront it head on because if you don't, sin is crouching at your door. Number three, keep communication channels clear. When I sit down with a young couple, and sometimes an older couple, for premarital counseling, one of the first things I tell them is that there are three areas where if a marriage fails, it will almost always be one or all of these three areas. And the first is the sexual relationship. Yeah, I said that in church. The second is finances. And the third is communication. It's going to be one or all of those. And believe it or not, it's usually communication. It's what, what does in a marriage? What does in a relationship? What does in the relationship that you have with members of the body of Christ? Because it's, it's what you're not saying that causes the harm. Keep them clear. Fourthly, which is similar, don't entertain gossip. Or conversation about one another. Confront gossip. Somebody bring hey, did you hear sister so-and-so? Well, let me just tell you. I really don't like getting into that kind of stuff. And if they push it a little further, well, really, that's gossiping. I try to stay away from that. 
Gossip, the word in the Bible for gossiping is simply this, whispering behind somebody's back. That's literally what the word means. If you find somebody or somebody comes to you wanting to whisper about somebody else, tell them to stop whispering. What I tell them is, well, if they're talking about somebody else, I say this. Here's their phone number. Won't you call them? Yeah, here's a quarter. Call somebody that maybe cares. Call them. Don't talk to me about it. Five, if none of that works, I hope to God it doesn't get to this place, but bring any unresolved issues before the leadership of the church. This is what the Bible tells us to do. This is the biblical standard. I'll be honest with you. If you'll do your part and they'll do your, their part, we'll never hear about it. But if I hear about it, okay. Six, view your ability to walk in victory with Christ as a means of supplying the rest of the body. If we can walk in victory, especially in these principles in Romans 12, then we can supply one another. But if I'm hung up on vengeance, if I'm hung up on all the, any of these things, I'm hung up on wanting to repay evil for evil, then I can't supply anybody anything. And if I do, it might be something they don't need. Keep our spirits clear and do it now. now I told you earlier we were going to finish by reading Romans 15. And if you've got your Bible or your phone or your tablet, if you just flip over a couple of pages or scroll a couple of whatever, I just want to finish up by reading these verses because they're so applicable. Uh, they should be on the, yeah, they're on the screen. Verse 1 of 15, we who are strong, and I assume you think you're strong, have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his or her good to build them up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Here's why. Listen, that together, everybody say together, you may with one voice Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Now skip down to verse 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers. And again, that's, that's non-gender specific. It really should be translated brothers and sisters. That you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me to God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It's kind of a summation of what he wrote in chapter 12. 
We are the body of Christ. We are not the only body of Christ. We are not the only body of Christ in Mount Juliet. We are not the best body of Christ in Mount Juliet. Nobody is the best because we're all supposed to be one voice. But we are responsible for ourselves. You and I are responsible for that person in the mirror. And as we look through these these characteristics, these principles, all of us, with the help of the Holy Spirit and by making right choices, all of us have the ability to live within the character displayed in these verses. I hope you would agree. Stand with me.